Kia ora. Welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems, and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. Because you deserve a business that doesn't feel like work, one that gives you energy and the resources to do what matters most to you. Whether it's figuring out where to spend your time, how to maximize your profitability, or streamlining your processes so things get done quickly and efficiently, my guests and I, we've got you covered. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewers, and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well, and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. I don't know about you, but I used to wear multitasking like a badge of honor. I was like, whoop, whoop, multitasking, getting a bunch of things done. Where in reality, I would get so frustrated how long it would take me to complete a task because of all of the interruptions that would happen in my day. I would start out with my day with an intentional list of things that I wanted to get done and then I would get to the end of my day and look at my list and there is nothing ticked off or there is just one thing ticked off. So I would get super frustrated because of wearing this multitasking like a badge of honor. If this is you as well, then you're experiencing what I've learned to call context switching. So when you start a task, your brain has a certain level of focus, and when it has focus, it has efficiency, and it lets you bang out tasks in a timely manner. But once you switch contexts, and whether that be because you decide to take that phone call or something during your existing task triggers something in your mind and so then you start a completely different task because you think you'll get that done at the same time or whether you stop the task that you're doing because it reminded you that you just needed to send this email and then you got distracted by everything in your inbox. All of these things can disrupt this state of flow which effectively stops progress on the task that you actually sat down to do. And then after all of these interruptions, hours have passed and you still haven't finished what you sat down to do in the first place. And that used to be me. That used to be me getting to the end of the day with nothing on my to-do list completed because I had spent my whole day context switching. And I know that so many small business owners and entrepreneurs spend their days jumping from project to project and really struggling with productivity, consistency, and peace of mind. And I know this because I see it. I see this lots in the communities that I'm in. And it was definitely me a few years ago. But before we get like really deeper into this concept of context switching, I want to bring in the other enemy, if you like, of multitasking. So what's the difference between multitasking and context switching? I used to think both were the same and both were as evil as one another, if you like. But 
they're different. So context switching is when you jump from one task to another and back again. And as a result, you're losing time and you're losing efficiency with the jumping around to different tasks. Whereas multitasking occurs when you do two things at once. And that's without stopping in between. So for example, you are having a phone conversation while you're driving. That's multitasking. Or you are having a phone conversation while trying to type an email. Or you are paying attention to your Slack messages while you're trying to set up a project plan. Doing two things at once is multitasking. You're able to get more done in less time doing two things at once, in theory. So then we think multitasking is a good thing because we can get more done in less time because we're doing two things at once. Whereas in actual fact, your brain can only handle so much before it needs a break. So if you're constantly jumping from task to task, your brain actually needs a rest in between. And if you're multitasking, how well are you doing either of those tasks that you are doing simultaneously? I would say not as well as if you were just focusing on the one task. So we can stop multitasking by focusing on one task at a time, and then we'll get better at those tasks by doing one thing at a time. But then this thing called context switching starts to creep into your day. And you're not only doing one thing at a time, but then you are jumping between different tasks. And this is a real drain on your brain. This is where your state of flow is being interrupted constantly. Because if you want to accomplish something, you need to be able to get into a state of flow. Like your brain needs to get into a rhythm and into deep thought about what you are focused on and the task at hand and not jumping between lots of different little things. There are many studies that talk about the the state of flow and the benefits of being in that state of flow because context switching is an expense of the brain if you like. So if you think about it that way, instead of taking money out of your bank account to pay for different things, context switching is an expense on your brain drain. So it just sucks out all the goodness of your brain functionality when you jump between different tasks. Now, I don't have any facts or studies to quote here, I probably should, to prove this point, but I'm sure you just need to experience it to be able to prove the point for yourself. Because it takes about maybe 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, give or take, for your brain to refocus on what you're doing after you've been distracted. So you've just sat down to write your weekly email and you're in a flow, you've got a good structure going on, you've got all of the little antidotes coming out of your brain, making it to to paper, you're in a flow of really getting that email done. Then the phone rings, so you pick that up. 
you have a conversation with the person on the phone, phone call ends, then you go back to the email that you were writing. Now you have to go back to the top of the email and you have to reread the email in its totality to be able to then kick your brain back into action to pick up where you left off. Now, how long is that going to take you? So just at that example of loan, you can see how it can take, you know, 20 minutes, give or take a little, to get your brain back into action to finish off the task that you had started. So just imagine doing that multiple times during your day. How many hours are you going to waste every day? And then how many days every year are wasted because of the time that you spent context switching? Then at the end of the day, we try to make up that lost time. So we spend our evenings finishing off work rather than you know, watching a good show with our partner or reading a book to our kids before bed. We, we kind of jump all of that and we just go, oh, I just need to go and finish off what I didn't get done today. So I will be good to go again tomorrow. So before we know it, we have cancelled that date night with our partner. We have cancelled that family lunch that we were hosting at our place in the weekend because we just need to make progress with our to-do list. And once we made progress with that, ah, we'll be free again. We are sacrificing our life when we are context switching. We are sacrificing the things that bring us joy in our life because we are context switching and not getting the tasks and our projects on our list done within the time frame that it should take us. Not that I'm shoulding all over you. But, you know, when I decided that I wanted to stop sacrificing my personal life with work stuff, I didn't realize content switching was actually my enemy. The solution I actually thought I needed was a better way to keep track of all the things that I had to do in my day. So rather than bore you with all of the things in my journey that I've tried, because I've tried many things to avoid sacrificing my personal life because of my endless list of things to do. So let me get straight to the juicy details of what has made the biggest difference for me. And when I realized that this context switching was what was sucking my time out of my day, I realized this when I was introduced to a concept called the ideal week. Now this I first heard of from Michael Hyatt. I'm not exactly sure where I heard it or when I heard it, like it could have been from a book that I was reading, or it could have been a podcast interview that I was listening to. Not sure exactly, but I do know this is a Michael Hyatt concept. And it's been a few years now, but it's a system that reduces the amount of time you context switch in a day and in a week. So the first thing you have to do is you have to decide 
on what are outward-facing tasks and what are inward-facing tasks. And then you have to decide on what days of your week are going to be allocated to all of your outward-facing tasks and what days of your week are going to be focused on all of your inward-facing tasks. So meaning, on what days will you do your client meetings, your team meetings, your networking, your interviews, or your content recording? I classify all of those as outward-facing. They require connection with other people and require my energy in a different way. So these type of tasks require me to show up with energy to connect with other people. And then you want to identify what days of the week will you set aside for the internal facing work. So for your strategy work, for your project, for your content creation, for your deep thinking, maybe for your admin tasks. Because again, you don't want to just fit those little admin tasks in between everything else. You want to just allocate time for them, dedicate time for them, and just get them done. They're usually little things that just don't require too much brain power, but if we just dedicated some time, it would take us far less time to get them done than it would trying to fit them in. It's the idea of batching similar tasks or similar jobs into days of the week. So you should have specific days of the week where you show up for other people and then you have days where you show up for yourself. That's the way that I've interpreted the ideal week for me anyway. So the first thing I did was I decided that two days of the week I want to make available for client meetings and so then I moved all of my client meetings onto those two days. Before that, I could have client meetings every day of the week, like any day of the week that suited my client, that's when I would meet with them. So I would have to show up with that kind of energy every day of the week, five days a week. When I decided that I was going to limit my client-facing days, my client-meeting days, to two days a week, I now have firm boundaries around my time, and I'm not afraid to say to a client that the only days I'm available are Wednesday and Thursday. What time on those days would suit you? And that's a new way for me that I've been approaching my boundaries with my clients and offering up my availability to clients. The other thing I did when I adopted this ideal week concept was I needed to change my open door policy with my team because my other biggest distraction in my day was when my team would come into my office with their challenges or they just needed another person to throw ideas around with. Like this was a constant interruption in my day. I would say to my team openly, I have an open door policy. I'm available to you at any time. Like, come to my door. My only rule is don't come to my door with a problem. Come to my door with a potential solution to your problem that we can then work around or work with. But 
any time of the day, any member of my team could come into my office, ask, you know, are you available? Can I pass something by you? And I would stop whatever I was doing and give my attention to them because I thought it would allow them to get on with their day and then they wouldn't be wasting time sitting there twiddling their thumbs about, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Or is that the better solution or is this? Oh, I really need to talk to Sandra about that. So then they would park that or they wouldn't be able to move on successfully until they'd done that. You know, that was all thinking in my own head, my, my own ego playing into that they need me. So now I have a day where I do team meetings or project meetings or I have one-on-one meetings with individual team members. So I have one day of the week where it is a team day. It's not necessarily the whole day dedicated to team meetings or project meetings or one-on-ones. I only have one-on-one meetings with my team once a quarter. So it's not like that's every Tuesday of the week. So Sometimes my team meeting days, that might only take up half of my day. The other half of my day, I can, you know, spend doing other projects. So, but now I have one dedicated day to my team. This is also like I've brought in my admin into this day as well. I didn't do it immediately, but it's something that I've, that I've done over time that I've worked out that my team day and my admin task day actually go together really nicely. So those are tasks that I can get done without too much brain power, those admin tasks. So I could do one or two admin tasks in between team meetings or a team meeting and a project meeting. So that's something that's working for me right now. And I have a whole day dedicated to focused work where I turn off all distractions. I block some time in my calendar with myself to get a chunk of work done. Now the rest of my team have access to my calendar so they can see what I'm up to. I don't reply to any Zoom chat messages. I shut my email down. I turn my phone to silent, turn it upside down on my desk. So I really block out time, turn off distractions, and I dedicate that time to getting chunks of work done. I also give myself a day of flexibility. So I have a whole day where I just, it could be anything. So it's a day that I am flexible with what goes into that day. It's like an open day, but I still try and prevent myself from context switching and multitasking on my flexibility day. It's a day where it can be hangover tasks or finish off tasks or just another couple of hours of focus work that I want to do. I put it into my flexible day and still have that boundary with myself of no multitasking and no context switching. So there are other decisions that you have to make about your ideal week, like what time are you going to start and finish your day? So does your stay start at nine o'clock? Do you finish at three o'clock or is the end of your day five o'clock? You have to decide what your ideal week looks like as far as start and finish times each day. 
And it might not be consistent for every day. So your start and finish times on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday might be completely different to a Tuesday, Thursday. You need to work out what that looks like for you. And then you have to decide how much time will you give yourself for your morning startup and your evening shutdown tasks. So every day I allow myself a half an hour in the morning and a half an hour at the end of my day to do a daily startup and a daily shutdown. And this allows me to get in the flow of my day with my daily startup. And then before I shut down my computer for the day, I then go through checking my emails, checking my project management notifications, checking any Zoom chat messages, just to make sure that I can end my day with a nice tidy bow, shut my computer and not worry again until I come back to my computer the very next day. So now it's your turn. Now it's time to get out and plan out what your ideal week would look like if you batched similar tasks together. So I usually get out like a weekly planner. It's seven days a week. So I plan my week seven days a week. So left to right, Monday to Sunday. And then from top to bottom of your page is the hours of the day. And so now you start to block out your days. What days are you allocating for outward focusing? What days are you allocating for inward focusing? What days are team days? What days are your focus days? When is your flexibility day? Or when is your day off? Like, are you only working four days a week? So block that time in your ideal week. And then also, what is your morning ritual before you start work? What is your family time? What is your dinner time ritual? Put all of those things into your ideal week. Do you have a same day every day that you have a date night with your partner? Put that into your calendar. So actually map out your ideal week, not only your work tasks, but your personal life as well. Now, you might need to test out a few ideal week plans before you land on the one that really works for you. But don't change your ideal week after just one week because you had to make some exception to your rules. Some weeks you might need flexibility with your ideal week plan. Your ideal week plan is not going to work for you 100% of the time, but your ideal week is a starting block for what you want your week to be like. And then you're going to have your ideal week for 80% of the time. So imagine you've got your ideal week and you have to tweak a couple of things. So Usually you have, you know, date night on a Wednesday night. For some reason this week, you need to put that off and that's going to be Saturday now. So that's just a slight move, but then you're going back to every Wednesday. Or your team meetings are scheduled for a Monday. And then Monday's a public holiday, so you have to reschedule your team meetings for a Tuesday. That will be an exception to the rule. So think about your ideal week as being your starting block. 
And that's what you're going to aim to achieve in the week. And it's how you're going to aim to spend your days. But build in some flexibility because you are well worth the investment of taking preventative measures around context switching. Studies have really shown the harm of context switching for more than a decade. But most workplaces, particularly the advertising and design agencies, still don't value it enough. If this is you, you have to be bold enough to break the mold, to stay relevant and productive. Embrace your focus type and then learn to say no to context switching. And why I call out those two particular agencies like advertising and design agencies is because clients have usually like advertising, I need to spend my money like that or it's not working and I need to, to you know, do something completely different. And the design agencies, it's like this is their creative direction and then there's all of a sudden a change of creative direction. So you need to get things done. And what was your internal day all of a sudden becomes an external day. And this idea of an ideal week, it's not for specific people and it's not not for specific people. It's actually for everybody. Creating an ideal week creates boundaries. And when you're working with clients, you create boundaries with the clients around how you work and how they will work with you. So yes, there's going to be some exceptions to your rules with your boundaries, but you know, we're aiming for an 80% achievement mark with implementation of our boundaries. And maybe I said that wrong. We're not aiming for 80% of our boundaries to be implemented because I'm a huge believer that You know, we have boundaries for a reason and those boundaries are good for us. I I believe the same when I was parenting, boundaries are good for my kids as much as it was uncomfortable to enforce those boundaries at times. Same with my work, like boundaries are good and they might feel uncomfortable to enforce at times, but they're there for a purpose. So maybe I need to reword that and say, your ideal week, we're aiming for 80% to hit your ideal week at 80%. So don't go changing your ideal week every week because you're not abiding to it 100%. Put your ideal week in place. It's ideal for a reason. It's not this is my must-do week. We're not calling it the must-do week. We're calling it the ideal week because we're laying out a plan of how we can best preserve our energy to deliver on the tasks and on the projects that are bringing us in money for our business. So think of your ideal week as how you would in a perfect world like to have things organized. We get things thrown at us left right and center during the week If we only, you know, get to delivering on our ideal week to 80% of what we laid out, that is okay. We need to give ourselves grace to allow for flexibility and to allow ourselves to be agile. 
So don't give up on your ideal week just because it's not perfect every week. It's not going to be. But you'll be surprised at how much this one system can make so much difference to your productivity. And I really do hope that you invest in yourself and give yourself time to map out your ideal week and then implement that ideal week. Batch together the like-for-like like tasks and preserve your energy. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would really love it if you could do me a favor. Can you take a screenshot and share it over on Instagram? Tag me, I'm sandrajulian.co. Let me know if you are going to draw a line in the sand and put an end to your context switching so that you can reclaim your lost time and stop sacrificing your personal time to get that to-do list done. Give me a shout out on Instagram. I will repost your post so we can share this idea with so many others who are losing their time through context switching and multitasking. I want everyone to stop sacrificing their personal lives to grow their business. We need to grow our business in a more productive and efficient way so that we can live our life to its fullest. All right, my friend, that is us for another week on the Business Your Way podcast. I will be back here again next week, same bat time, same bat channel, with another juicy episode for you. Until then, have a wonderful week and I will talk to you again soon.